0: Today is July 27th, and we're back with a new Regista report. Um, and for this one, it, the anticipation really reminded me of the night before Christmas. So I have something like a little bit uh, of a tale before the sort of the games that played today. So if you will allow me, Liverpool remained supreme. For Arsenal, it was just a dream. Man City held the city. United confided. Ole delighted. Chelsea so mighty, nothing but tidy. The top four decided. It is, for now, departed. I'm Joey B. And again, today is the 27th. With me, as always, is Benny Fuentes.
1: What's up, everybody? Joey B. That was nice, man. I love that. That was so cool. (laughs) That was the first time me hearing it. That was was nice. Dude, the season finale of the Premier League just finished. And, uh, dude... Uh, I'm so hyped, bro. I am so hyped. Dude, what a what a wild day, man. What 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 a turn of
0: events for so many teams. But, dude, EPL 2020 is a wrap, and that's sort of what our show is going to focus on today. Uh, but not only that, we have a brand new segment that we're bringing to the show for the first time. We guys, you asked us questions, and we're going to answer that for you today. So,
1: really exciting stuff. Get ready to hear your voice, man. Action-packed show, Benny. You ready? Dude, I'm ready. But just just so everybody knows... You know, I, I, if you're new to the podcast, maybe you're not, but you're. uh If you're new, I'm. Uh, I'm a Manchester United supporter, so 95% of me, Joe, it, it it bleeds red. It 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 bleeds Man United. All right, so that 90 that five percent of me that gets on the show, it's 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 usually unbiased. But today, Joe, my feelings just just have to come out. I'm so oh, happy God. that we oh, that we reached. I'm so sorry her. and. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody listening, and for uh, any Leicester City fans out there. But, um, dude, I was pacing all morning. I, I had a dream this morning, Joe. Uh, that oh that god, we won and shit. And so, what? <laughs> what?
0: The last time you had a dream, you said Chelsea was going to win the Champions League, or that was your hope. But um,
1: no, it's okay. Yeah, yes. yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the last part, dude. Um, so excited to get through what we got today and uh yes let's do it. okay (laughs) no
0: worries and on top of that ben congratulations but i am gonna hold you to the bill today so if you're a fan other than manchester united don't worry i'm gonna give it to him so it won't it won't be a party (laughs) atmosphere uh for ben whatsoever so uh ben start us off man something you may have missed dude remind us what is this segment all about
1: something you may have missed so each week we bring you something that uh, it, it, it was either uh something that was in a, an article piece or a news story that just kind of really spoke to us and it may not have been top headlines. And so we want to bring that to you guys now. So for me this week, uh the championship sky bet championship just wrapped up about four days ago. So we know Leeds United are in, we know West Brom are in the third place spot is up for grab still. And the, the sky bet championship playoff is is going on um, as of today and it's continuing to go on but nottingham forest will miss out on that road because they've lost this past week joe but just to make that even more interesting is that they were in the top six from boxing day okay so the top six the the top six is spot that last six place spot gets you into the playoff They were in the top six from Boxing Day until the 91st minute of the season. And they finished, Joe, they finished in seventh place on goal differential. So all they had to do the last day of the season was tie and not lose by a lot of goals. But both those things happened.
0: And it's all over.
1: The season is all over. The playoff dream is over. The dreams of the Premier League are over. It has been a nightmare finish to the season for Forrest. They've not won any of their last six games. And having been in the playoff zone for all but two weeks since September, they slide out of the playoff zone when Swansea score in stoppage time on the last day of the season against 10-man Reading. But that's because by then, Forest themselves were losing by three goals to one on their own pitch to Stoke. It finishes 4-1 to Stoke. Dude. Just heartbreaking story for them. A heart goes out to them. Uh, but Leeds may be able to pass on the mantle of the biggest bottlers in the championship to Nottingham Forest. Forrest. Mm. So that's got to sting. Uh, your reactions, Joe?
0: Nottingham Forest, Forrest, man. So it, it, my first reaction, it might be a blessing in disguise. Because if you're losing 4-1 to Stoke when it matters, um, you might find yourself in the Premier League in some big trouble. Um, and I think for Leeds United, as much as everybody wanted it to happen last season because they're so storied, it may have not been their time. I think Bielsa got a second chance at it, and they look much, much stronger than they did last year because they finished first. Um, you know, a lot of times what can happen is while well, these clubs get promoted, look at Norwich. They finished last last year. They got relegated this year. So now they're a club that was a full of confidence. Now they have none. They didn't win any points, Ben, since the restart uh, after COVID. So Nadia M. force, I know yep. you guys are struggling, and I'm sure your fan base is there for you. But, it, you know, as much as it stings that you have to wait another year, it might be a blessing for you to check all the boxes and go at it once again. But tremendous season from them. Very, very disappointing in the end. But, um, you know, when they're ready bin the strong will survive. And unfortunately, they fell. So... That's kind of how football works, right?
1: Dude, that's that's how football works. Get your positivity, Joe. Yeah,
0: yeah, you try. You try the best, man. And I was inspired by Leeds and what they did. So that's a lot of that is coming from that. Um, but yeah, so on to mine, Ben. Um, Captain Jordan Henderson, uh, player of the year by the Football Writers Association, footballer of the year. So this kind of caught some people as like way off guard just because he, I would say he had like an average season in terms of statistics. So he had four goals and five assists in 30 games. Then when I say Jordan Henderson, um, do you automatically think best player in the Premier League? Like what are your first reaction to that name?
1: My first reaction is just engine, engine worker, leadership, leads by example. Jordan Hendo levels of energy is, is, is what I hear from from him. So, yeah, those stats, I mean, those stats, like, not impressive. Right. But it's it's what's what lies in between, bro. It, it what lies in between. Yeah, absolutely. You know?
0: So Kevin De Bruyne is a guy, though, where you see it every single game, his talent, right? So you have Jordan Henderson, who's, yeah. I'd say, probably not nearly as talented as De Bruyne, but he makes up with it with hard work. Um, and today, if you got to see the Manchester City game, there was a goal scored by De Bruyne, which reminded me, and this is not an exaggeration of Zinedine Zidane,
2: to Kyle Walker again, here's De Bruyne. Oh, what a goal! Well, should we be surprised? But just bow down at his feet, this boy is brilliant. 2-0 Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne.
0: That's what it is, it's just brilliance
3: absolute
0: brilliance. Benny, from now on, I'm calling him the Belgian Zidane. I mean, what did you think when you first saw that goal?
1: Dude, I mean, it's it's something that he's that was a brilliant goal, brilliant pass, but it's something that we've seen so many times in the, in this season especially. Leveling now the assist tally, right, with uh TT Henri. So, what a Yeah, man, just what a player, bro. What a player. What eyes in the back of his head. Vision. Does everything you want. I love that name, Joe. Belgian. Dude, I
0: love it, man. So so he
1: this was the competition for Henderson.
0: Um, and it was actually a bad pass by Kyle Walker. And De Bruyne in a split second, he made it something he could emphasize and kind of fake out the defender with. So just genius. Um, but this is what I'm going to play for you now is Jordan Henderson, his genius. So, so take a listen. And this is coming from a player that has to leave Liverpool uh, because he's not getting enough playing time. And that's Adam Lalana. So I think everybody agrees it, it's kind of time for him to move on. Um, but to show you the impact of Jordan Henderson and what he does for this club, I think you'll understand it uh, right here. So there was, there was one, there
3: was one, um, morning in because we used to drive in a lot me and Jordan like a lot and we you know we haven't done lately obviously because of the situation there was one defeat Liverpool lost to Seville or oh, it was 3-3 away. Well, I say lost because it, it, it felt like a defeat I remember Jordan you know, I remember uh, him pick he, he said to me he must have wanted the conversation because he said I'm going to pick you up tomorrow and um I just remember he had his hood up and um he, just hearing him say you know as as, as captain that that can't happen I, i've got to be resp- you know i'm responsible for that you know being a liverpool captain that like just to hear, hear how honest he was but thinking like are you are you crazy to be taking like that responsibility like responsibility it's you know it's a team's responsibility we've not even lost the game but but as I said, that that just you know epitomises his selflessness and and how much responsibility he takes for this football club in the bad moments. That's not in the good moments; it's in the bad moments. So that that's why you know he he deserves this more than you know anyone else.
1: I uh, I remember uh, seeing this Joe, and I think Andy Robinson retweeted it saying, "I'm not crying." I'm crying. <laughs> That's, that's such a brilliant or, summary. His levels have have um, have definitely risen this this season's in the past now, and so congratulations to him. Big debate. There's still the Player of the Year for the Premier League uh, to come out, and so that should be rolled out pretty soon. And I think KDB should des- deserves that, but but Jordan Henderson, uh, good that he got his recognition this way
0: too. Yeah, I agree, and I think ben, what's so telling about this clip. Um, and it was different than I think what, what you would notice maybe from some other bigger clubs. I think it would have been easier after that Seville game, and it was two two. Excuse me, Sevilla game. Um, it was two two, and he said it felt like a loss. But tell me, it wouldn't be easier for Jordan Henderson to go put his arm around Salah and Mane? So people who actually like you know have a big piece to play in this team but he went to lalana and saw that one of his teammates was struggling who doesn't even play that much and said hey i'll pick you up after practice now dude that is a captain that is you know kevin de Bruyne does it on the field but what these teams lack a lot of times for championship and titles is a captain and a true leader and that's what henderson is so maybe he's not lighting up the stats board but he's in the locker room making sure all his teammates are playing at the best of their ability he's giving them confidence um, so just brilliant. I think you know. I think he does deserve the plaudits this season. Obviously, KDB is a player, but the one thing, the difference between this season between them two is that title. So that's why I think I think yes. that's why it goes to Henderson. But brilliant, Ben, absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, so that's our something you may have missed. And we're gonna dive into actually some of our reactions from today. And Ben, you said it before. You're a Manchester United fan. So how are you feeling in
1: this moment uh, about what you guys did, dude? Absolutely delighted. I'm still buzzing. Uh, you know, it's third place you, to, to, to see where they came from, man. In January, you know, at, at Christmas break, we were so behind. We we're like 14 points behind. Uh, and people were getting frustrated with Oli and, and the transfer window. And then, you know, Bruno Fernandes just changed. It. it just shows just like how one player had a big impact on the whole team. You know, having just a little bit of world-class talent in your team, can do that to everybody on the pitch and so dude i'm still buzzing i'm still buzzing and uh it's it's it gets us champions league which is which is fantastic i don't want to over celebrate and say like yo this is this is it this is you know um we still have a lot of work to do i think in the transfer windows maybe a couple more to really see this team compete for the premier league title which is i think what they need to be in conversations in the next coming seasons but still absolutely buzzing joe um that's that's coming from a united supporter but uh coming from you man what did you what did you think on the final day i i was so nervous bro i was just pacing back and forth i, I mean I don't even know if it was a good game or not. <laughs> so I can tell you from a fan perspective, it
0: wasn't a good game, Ben, in something like in terms of watch. No, it wasn't. But, I mean, like you yeah. said, the anticipation before these games was amazing. And I'm an outside supporter, so my favorite team, the team I get emotion about is Real Madrid. But I got to kind of sit on the side and watch everybody else get nervous, um, and specifically Ben. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. You can't say enough about the English Premier League. And to touch on Ben, what was saying about his team and the way they've come together now under Ole, so since the break in COVID, there's another table uh, where it shows how well they did post-restart. And Manu is tied with Man City. They've both gotten 21 points after re- uh, the restart and kind of let that sink in. So Manchester United accumulated as many points as Manchester City. That tells you the difference in their form. Um, and the bill was out on Jose Mourinho. Well, after the restart, when he got his players back that he needed, they, were, they finished in fourth with 18 points post-restart. Um, another big club that dropped out of the top four is Leicester city. They only got nine points from after the nine games that were left. Um, So it really tells you the form going into the second part of season and how important some of your key players are. Um, But I was excited. I thought, man, U they didn't win today pretty, but they won because they had the right setup. The right players were on the pitch. Bruno Pogba, Martial Rashford. They did the job. They had more opportunities to score. It was an ugly win, but they're a tired team which Leicester was too riddled with injuries, but these guys stepped up, Mm -hmm. they were leaders and they got the win. Um, And that was the biggest game for me, in my opinion, Chelsea, they were also up against it today, and I didn't actually watch the game, um, but they got the job done 2-0. Um, but kind of what's on my mind, too, right now, Ben, is that City and Real Madrid matchup. So you can, you can kind of see the form that Manchester City's in, 21 points right now, and they're, they're buzzing, bro. Kevin De Bruyne against Nords today. I'm telling you, the Belgium's it's, a don. It's scary to look at. And Madrid, I think their strengths this season, and take a look at the stats for Manchester City. 102 goals scored, 67 against. So you have to say their weakness is in defense, but they just got Laporte back. And then you look at Madrid, 70 goals and 25 against. Um, So that's just going to be a hell of a matchup. So that's what's on my mind right now. But a brilliant wrap-up to the season, Ben. And the other side of the table, we had some relegated teams. So what were your thoughts about who got relegated and the drama there?
3: It's John McGinn finding Grealish. Grealish! And surviving. Aston Villa's captain
2: leaves his
3: club a legacy. It's Jack Grealish's goal that will cement
1: Aston Villa's Premier League Status. Oh man, I just I just remember hearing uh <laughs> hearing in the commentary like how low of a percentage chance that Bournemouth had and their odds to getting getting through. Like they needed a loss from Watford, they needed Villa to lose. But Jack Grealish, bro, leave it to Jack Grealish to save their club. And uh, what a season he's had. He's put his team on his back. They, they've struggled in times, but, man, he's, he's such a player. So I'm excited to see if he stays with Villa and uh, what happens with him next. But for Watford, uh, Watford, and uh, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit there because they, they, they lost to Arsenal, right? <laughs> Three to two. And I'm laughing a little bit because of uh, Troy Deeney. Yes. Remember how, remember how Troy Deeney said to to he Arsenal about- how they lack how they lacked cojones. Yes. Uh, right. Yes. So it's just kind of poetic now justice that found, found their cojones <laughs> and relegated Watford, stunning, stunning them. But <laughs> but uh, I mean that's that, that's that's just terribly managed club, bro. I mean they they fired Nigel Pearson. Like in the days before the biggest game of the season, just what the what are you thinking? You know, to lead, what's the mentality like for the players to come into that last game? Like that was they were they were doomed. Uh, for Bournemouth too, they've been surviving, I think, season by season. So the bill has had been, been out for them. So and then Norwich, we talked already a little bit about. They just been and um, they. It's surprising to see that like, they still played like, they want, how they wanted to play. You know, like they're coming out of the back. And free flowing type of play, but dude, you can't do that every game for for the, uh, the depth of team that you have. It was almost like watching them was like, um, how playing out of the back goes wrong, you know, how like that, uh, Dave Chappelle's series, it's when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> I really like that bit, you dude. That? I really like that. You remember that, show? you remember that, of Chappelle course, show, uh, yes. So for Norwich, it was like when playing out of the back goes wrong, bro. They let, they made so many mistakes. It was just a team full of errors. Yeah. And so I think the right teams got relegated. Uh, and then excited to see if uh, Villa uh, keep Grealish. Uh, I think uh, I think Man United might be eyeing them. I don't know.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about a lot of storylines, yep. dude. Yeah. We're going to get into those transfers later. We have a, a really good fan question about men are uh, the men United transfers and what they need. But so I think you hit on it too, Ben, with Watford. It was sort of their management and their behind the scenes. You know, you see how important that behind-the-scenes management is to a club's success on the field. And like Ben said, there seemed to be some strife between the two. There's some some major disagreements, and, and that's when you lose games. So we saw that from Watford, and I think for Troy and it's super justice that Arsenal were the one to send them down. And I know Oscar was brilliant, like super happy about that. Um, but dude, <laughs> they made a fight. It was 3-2. They really it was 3-0 oh. at one point. So they came back um, and been for Norwich City. I guess if you're them, you have to take away sort of the positive. And I remember them beating Manchester City at home. Which you could you could say is arguably one of the best teams in the world. Um, So for them, it's not without at least some promise um, going back down to the championship. They have a lot of work to do. Um, But like you said, Ben, I think the right teams went down. I think Jack Grealish is a a game changer. And he showed that for Aston Villa today. Um, And another cool thing about him, he actually wore Ben like super old lucky boots. Um, and he ended up scoring with them. Um, so it was just a little small story there. That was, that was really neat. Um, but with Norwich going down, there's three teams coming back up and we don't yet know that third team. Um, but we do know for a fact that Leeds United, um, is in the Premier League and Marcelo Bielsa, Ben, um, and I have a question for you, man. Where does he, for you, been, rank among the EPL's best manager? Because if you ask Pep Guardiola, if you ask some of the other guys, they say that he is a legend. So how do you think next year he's going to line up? How do you think they're going to do? And what do you think of him in terms of um, the prestige of management in the Premier League?
1: Oh, dude, I'm super excited to see Bielsa in the Premier League. Uh, where does he match up amongst these uh, legendary uh, coaches that that that's in the Premier League now? I think he... He's he's up there amongst the best, but in terms of like what he does and impact on the club, right? Like he's not, he, he he's chosen his clubs very very intricately. Like he, he he wants to fall in love with the club. He wants a story to come with. Brilliant, him, you know? Ben.
0: Brilliant. So
1: I think with what we what we'll see with Leeds is hopefully challenging past you know staying in the Premier League for years to come I think that's what he wants to cement the the legacy with with Leeds United being back in the Premier League there's already rumors of like Cavani signing with him that was that's that started up so seeing rumors like that is already kind of sparking like like oh man Leeds are here to play and like seeing um you know what what uh, Nuno Espirito Gomez did for Wolves like first season back in the Premier League and got him all the way to to competing in for for Europe. You know? So these teams coming from the championship have something to play for immediately when they come in. And I think Bielsa, hopefully dude, he can do it. He might have to change his tactics. He's he's a tactical genius genius. And if you watch the documentary you have learned a little bit about Spygate where <laughs> where I think him and Lampard might have a little bit of a history. A little bit of a clash little maybe history, coming though, in this yeah, season. Little- Little history so, yep. going on there, if, if if you know what we're talking about. But uh, yeah, dude, ex- exciting to see Bielsa in in the Premier League. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be here to stay. They think that he signed a new contract, I believe. So, yo, they're lucky to have. Him. Yeah,
0: Ben, I don't think you can answer that question better than that. Uh, if you ask me, where does he rank in terms of current manager in the Premier League? Um, I would say he's maybe top three. I think I think he's the opposite of Pep when you mentioned the teams that he chooses, it's never teams with huge financial capabilities. He looks at the city, the culture and what he can do in terms of passion and love for that city and the football team. So to see what he works with and the results that he gets um, I don't think there's a good comparison to him today in world football. Even Jose Mourinho needs a, a transfer budget. You don't really see that from yeah. you don't see that from Bielsa, right. Ben. So I think your answer is spot on. I think he's one of the best. And I think, you know, Leeds have a chance to light up the Premier League um next year, and they do have a good management team behind them too. So well said, Ben. So here's I want to run down like a list of names for you. Uh, we have Lampard next year in the premiership. We have Ole next year in the Premiership. They both got check uh, Excuse me, check marks this season, Ben. Ancelotti, check what he did with Everton. Pep, check mark, bro. They look stronger than ever. Jose Mourinho with Spurs. They look dangerous now. Ben Kane has rediscovered his best form in the last two games. Check. So my question, Ben, is the criteria for Arteta and Brendan Rodgers because only four teams can make top four. That means out of the list I just named, Three of those guys will always miss out every single year. So, how do you know when it's their time, Ben? What do you judge them on in the Premier League? Because now, especially with Leeds coming up, it's so competitive. How do you know when it's time to move on to a new management? It's the Premier
1: League is so cutthroat. Yeah. You know, but I think you're starting to see a little bit of a change maybe nowadays. So, I, I think they might. Whereas a, before, like a Moyes type situation, where it was like six months and and, and just the running form and the style of play, I think what you need to see from a team right away, within like the first maybe three games, is an identity. Yeah. You know? So with Arsenal, Arteta, they found an identity. They found their man. I I, I have no doubt right. about that. With with Brendan Rodgers, they they. Definitely found an identity. Yeah. With them. very sad to see that they they missed out on Champions League. They were they were at they were second at one. Point, right on, man. bro. Yeah, yeah. So competing against Liverpool to so see. So there were surprises. I mean, for, from Leicester City uh, throughout the season, and a lot of that I think is credit to Brendan Rodgers. So I think they're I think they're they're going to have all, as many as much time I think for Brendan Rodgers as he needs. Uh, it, unless unless he gets poached right from another club, as right. my as my thing. So if like Mourinho doesn't work out at Spurs for some right. reason, you know they'll Brendan Rodgers' phone's gonna be ringing off the Okay, I think for for Arteta, I think he's gonna be given time too. He's proven that already, bro. He's proven that in the identity and the and, and the style of play that he wants. Uh, I think I think this next season what he needs to focus on is definitely getting into the top four. Okay. And if he doesn't get it, I think within one season, I think you'll still get time because of just there, there's so many transfer windows. I think right. uh, at least I would say at least four or five for Arsenal. So I would give it for, for Arteta, four to five transfer windows before I really start to question, you know, his five abilities years. with the yeah. uh, four to five transfer. Oh, transfer so, wins, I mean, that's correct. Okay. I, that's, that's including summer and winter. And for Brendan Rodgers, I think he's going to stay as long as Leicester – Lester, uh, as long as actually another club maybe come come for him. Yeah, so no, that he's there, he's there. To stay. Yeah,
0: that's a good answer, Ben. And I was just going to say, so Ben, so, 170 million dollars. These all the teams that stay in the Premier League um, are going to collect. Um, and I think if you're playing Premier League football. Um, you, you have to understand what it means, like, outside the money, to the culture in England, what football means to England. And uh, me and Ben were talking about this recently, like, how much it's uh, embedded in their culture and Leeds is a storybook club. So we just want to play for you a little bit what it means to their fans um, and to them as a country to be back in the Premier League, um, a city that's in the top flight. Um, so it's brilliant. So right now we're going to get into that. We're going to play that for you. So take a listen.
3: Ball breaks for Ealing. Oh! To finish. Patrick Bamford scores for Leeds. All the way for Alyoski. Oh, what about that? Gets the ball in. And Jack Harrison has surely wrapped up a massive win for Leeds United. And it's there. And it's driven in from the penalty spot. Felix, it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh. From Liam Cooper. Oh, what about that? How's that for a finish? Alan Núñez scores a goal for Leeds United.
0: The wait is over, Ben, and that's what it means to be a Premier League team, and that's what we're gonna get again in September. God damn it,
1: man, dude, I want to move to England.
0: <laughs> Can you? Let's go. Ben, let's uh, I'm go. so down. Man. Ben, oh my God. Yes. But I mean, it gets you excited, man. That's what the Premier league is. Um, and uh, just an amazing season. Thank you for letting uh, Ben and I wrap that up for you. Uh, but now it's time to hear from you. It's time to hear your questions that you have from us. Um, and we really appreciate you guys as fans. Like this is an amazing experience for us. So it's time to turn the pressure over to you guys. And let's hear some of your questions that you have for us. Right, Benny. Yes. Yes. We, uh,
1: unofficially are calling this the Regista Report Hotline bling, So we advertised this uh, about midweek last week, and so we're excited to to answer these. And by the way, this is our 10th episode too, so this is our like uh, special for you guys to kind of uh, get you guys involved on the, on the show. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, so let's get to it. Let's put me and Ben in
0: the hot seat. Here we go, Ben. You ready? <laughs> let's do it. All man. right, man. So first question, uh, here it is. Hello, guys. Could you
2: uh, articulate a little bit on the requirements or the leadership skills that a good U.S. coach would need to lead us uh, to being competitive or at least more competitive than we are now? Thanks.
0: Yeah, so that's a great question, Ben. And uh, I want to hear your take first, man. So what do you got on that one?
1: So I I think we've touched on it before in in our – uh, Pulisic uh, King podcast uh, that we did pretty recently, which is uh, one of my favorites that we've done. But uh, I'm kind of holding off a little bit of what you said and you made a lot of good points in that pod, man, is that I think we do need a, a, an American coach who isn't afraid to try new things, but also just be be fearless and consistent with your lineups. And I'll, I'm trying to think of someone to like model that from so to me, you know, Bruce Arena is, is kind of like the legacy of, of I think, U.S. soccer and, and what we were. The bill is still out, I think, with Greg Berhalter. So we're talking about like something in terms of the future, right? Yeah, Bryn, I think you, I think you said it earlier in the podcast.
0: The first thing you need from a new coach is an identity. Yeah. You need an identity. That's exactly what you said. And Ole, he has done that. When he first took over, you guys went on a 10-game winning streak and you fucking beat PSG. So it has to be an instant impact. And like Ben was saying about Burr the bill is out on him, but he has time because USA, the men's national team, they don't play games every weekend like Ole does. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing that's positive about that move is, like Ben said, he's an American player. We need that. We need the leadership from the people who's been there and done that. Other very important is Brian McBride he's the general manager of this team and going on to the US website ussoccer.com this is his mission statement and again i think this is a huge step in the right direction for what we need to see from these guys so mcbride his primary areas of focus will be to oversee the development and management of the player pool
1: yeah so the next one uh let's let's get right into it let's let's hear the let's hear the question
4: hey guys uh Roberto here, a uh, huge uh, Juventus supporter. Uh, first off before I ask my question, I just want to say uh, I've been following you guys and uh really really uh like what you guys are doing and uh, uh really enjoy the podcast. Um so to my question. So I I follow uh Serie A pretty uh religiously um and looking at uh next season, um uh, I guess my question would be who do you think uh will be the favorites uh to win to win it all next year. Um you know right now they have Inter uh uh looking at favorites but I was just wondering if you think that Juventus could uh keep it up and uh uh win 10 in a row. All right, thanks.
0: Who do you think is going to be the favorite, Ben? Yeah.
1: Shit.
4: <laughs> so I mean, come on,
1: bro. Couveys won their ninth in a row. You, they, they have to be favorites again. I mean, it's to get the to get the tenth. I, I think they're they're definitely in the front row. But Inter is knocking on the door. Uh, a lot of teams have knocked on the door. I think this season it's been like a topsy turvy for second and third. Like all season, Lazio has done that. Uh, you know, and so for Roberto, bro, great question. I love, I love that you love the Serie A and then you're so religious in watching that. And um and I and I know that uh they're proud to to have you as a fan. So great question, Joe. Joe, what do you think from that Joe? So
0: yes, I think Ben yes a safe bet to say juve, but I think sort of the variables um have completely changed for European soccer. So I think the biggest advantage that Juve has, and I think the reason they've been successful this past nine titles, is their fan base for people like Roberto. Um, and, but it's also the people that get to go to the game. So I think in Turin, they are absolute force. And I think they're the most well-supported team in Italy. And so when you're looking at the only thing I can kind of compare them to in terms of atmosphere is Anfield for Liverpool. And that, I think Anfield won the title for Liverpool this season. And Anfield was the reason that Barcelona, that leg was returned. I think if you're playing it in a stadium without fans against Barcelona, if you're Liverpool, you don't turn over that tie. So next season, I think Inter Milan are the favorites because fan, the fan base is not there for Juve. They're an aging squad. Um, and the team right now that they're building Inter Milan, um, it's just brilliant that has Conte, Lukaku. They have so many big names. Sanchez is starting to play well. He has some of the best stats. Uh, in Serie A since the restart. So I think Juve is going to be up against it next year without that fan base. I think it kind of levels the playing field mm. out a little bit more. Um, so Inter Milan, dude, and, and you know these these stadiums uh, for AC and Inter Milan, they don't really they haven't been selling out like they used to because they don't have the team anymore. So you take away that disadvantage now between them and Juve. Now it's empty stadiums. Now you have to be mm. the best team. So I think it's a different dynamic for the Serie A for the first time in a long time if that plays out. So I think Inter Milan is my favorite for next year in that league. I
1: like it. I like it.
0: Great stuff, Brian. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so moving on. uh, Our next question. Good day, Regista
2: Report. This is Jose speaking. I know what you're thinking, and no, this is not Jose Mourinho. This is me, Jose R, huge Chelsea fan and huge fan of the podcast. Now, my question is, is the special one indeed still the special one? Should the sports board, expect Jose Mourinho to take Spurs to farther heights than his predecessor, Mauricio Pochettino. Glad to know how you guys feel.
0: Oh my God, Jose. What a million dollar question. Multi-million dollar question. Absolutely brilliant (laughs) question. And I want to hear, Ben, what do you think, brother? Is Jose Mourinho the answer for Spurs?
1: Uh, I'm going to keep mine short because I know, Joe, you could write a thesis (laughs) on Jose Mourinho. (laughs) I'm sorry. So... It, for me, I, I think uh, Jose Mourinho at Spurs, is he the right man for the future? No. I'm going to say no. Um, because I think his it, it's going to run out in, I'm going to say, like two seasons. I think Spurs, you know, for what they have and what so much money that's pumped into their club I, and for what Jose needs and the, like the type of things that fall out from Jose, Um I don't see it. I don't see them. uh, And I don't see him actually getting the time that he'll probably need to to do it. But what do you have to say, man? I know you're going to say a lot. (laughs) Oh,
0: my gosh. So, yeah, just a brilliant question. And I kind of hinted on it earlier in the podcast. So, you're going to have four guys that make top four. You're going to have three big names, potentially even more than that, the guys that fall outside the top four. So, how do you judge them? Um, I think. Mourinho will be successful at Spurs, not because they're going to win the Premier League, not because they're going to be back in the Champions League, but I can see them lifting an FA Cup. I could see them winning a tournament that maybe other teams have maybe turned off to. So for Spurs, and Oscar will tell you this, any Arsenal fan I should say will tell you this, they don't have any trophies. So I'm going to judge Jose Mourinho on what he does in terms of trophies. And I think he has the team there. And depending on who he can retain on his roster to at least win like an FA cup, I think he'll get at least two years. I think he's in an uphill battle, but don't ever count Jose Mourinho off when he's against the wall, because what he did at FC Porto, what he did at Inter Milan, they were the underdogs, and they were defensive massive class. and right now you're seeing a team that's starting to buy into his philosophy. When he first got there, they didn't give a fuck about Jose. They were still pissed off about Pochettino. No, <laughs> yeah. no one wanted to trust him, but he's winning them over, and he's he's a guy that loves football, and he loves a challenge very much like Bielsa, and knowing that his leader, Bielsa, is going to be at the show next year, he's going to bring it, bro. He's going to fucking bring it, so I, I think he's got a lot left to prove, um, and next year, September, it's could be the best season we've ever seen in terms of management in the Premier League.
1: Mm, Okay. All right. Bold. Bold. But not so bold because I think you're, I, I think you're somewhat right in that, that if Jose needs Spurs and Spurs, I think need Jose. So, I think this is uh this is gonna be a good marriage, but it's gonna be an ugly divorce. Ooh, I, I like that <laughs> and, dude, you're right. He's always left clubs
0: in a bad way. So dude, well said, Ben. I think that's key at the end. An ugly divorce. But okay. <laughs> um, okay, Ben, so next question.
4: Hey, Ben Joe, first off, awesome job with the podcast. Love it. This to all of them.
2: Question is,
4: uh, as you guys know big Boonies League of supporter having lived in Germany for three years. I know you guys don't watch it that much, but since it came back first and you guys have seen a little bit more, my question would be, as fans of other leagues, Premier League, La Liga, um, any of those, what do you think the Boonies League needs to do to increase their U.S. fanship? Uh, I think maybe going ESPN might help rather than Fox, but you know, I'd be curious to see what you guys think might help them. Look forward to hearing the answer, and we'll talk soon. Bye, guys
0: really really good question ben and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you at the wolves man what do they do to get more viewership in america
1: oh kevin great question brilliant, man brilliant. uh dude, look we're, we're going from syria to bundesliga look at this so bundesliga was had its its shining moment in starting first first of all thank you bundesliga for for showing us the way you know <laughs> For showing us the way and how to restart a season and, and doing it, and then like everyone else following suit, I think without Bundesliga um not I'm not saying that none of this would have been possible, but they definitely set the mark for real all quick us, ben
0: so. real quick if France yeah. took the same stance the Bundesliga did, there would be no soccer right now so well said, Ben, thank you so much, <laughs> Bundesliga, please carry on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and so what? What I think also uh, he's hitting at too is that dude. We have we have a lot of American stars in the Bundesliga, not necessarily, you know, uh, starters. I'd say in the U.S. men's national team, but there's a lot of talent pool in the Bundesliga for a lot. Of, I think a lot of the reasons that we said before, easier to get uh, work permits there. The, the Bundesliga takes a lot of chances on youth. So I think for U.S. fans. Hopefully they got a good taste of it with, with the restart, right. As, as much as uh, me and Joe did uh, with that time. But I think what needs to happen, I I like what, what he said about going to ESPN. I think that would be an amazing move because MLS is being played on uh, ESPN. So I think tying those two together has to be the way to go. And then also on top of that, what the Bundesliga needs to keep doing is trusting youth and then going deep in the, in the, in the champions league. So RB Leipzig is there and Bayern Munich is there. So RB Leipzig being uh, a newer kind of face in the champions league run and maybe not a uh, very likable team in the Bundesliga, but for us Americans, you know, being, seeing more of the Bundesliga, we want to see more of guys like Tyler Adams, who is in, uh, in that team and he's going to be playing champions league Gio Reina. We, we know a little bit about him. He's going to be in the champions league next season. And so we need to, we need guys like this to perform. We are relying on guys like them to perform at this highest level and to make moments at the highest level in the champions league. That's what needs to happen. Go far, go deep in the, in, in the champions league and uh, hope our, our stars kind of shine through and break through those cracks and uh, it did make everybody notice. I and then on top of that, getting on ESPN deal would be absolutely brilliant. Uh That's what I think they
0: need to do. Yeah, I I think you hit on a few good points here. So number one, we were forced to watch the Bundesliga when there was no other soccer. And we were kind of surprised at uh, sort of the high level that's there. So how do you market that on a world stage to get more American viewership? Um, So I think you have to do a few things is to get Americans excited because there's no doubt the biggest teams in the world is in the Premier League in terms of buying power. So that's a competitive advantage you're working against. But you don't need to buy... You know, every single top star, you just need a couple. Uh, and so what I mean by that, the biggest name when I think about the Bundesliga is Eric Holland, right? Just top player, young talent, mm-hmm. right? But he's young. And then you look at the flip side of that, you think of Bayern Munich when you think of the more veteran players. So that's two teams. So I would ask the Bundesliga what they need to do um, to get the world exciting, especially American viewers by a big name. So when Juventus bought Ronaldo and I mean, no disrespect to Juventus fans, I started watching their games because he's a big game or he's a big player. And I'm, I know him. So I think if the Bundesliga could get a hold of a big talent like that and make them uh, they're marketable to their to their fans. And that could be an American player. I mean, I don't want Pulisic to go back to that league, um, but you need a big player, someone that can kind of lead the line for you. So I would say if they could sign a couple more stars, um, that would certainly make me pay attention. Um, and kind of like the MLS does, but not at the end of their career, but when they're first getting started. So you're going to have to stumble upon some big talent and keep them because right now the best players, they get sold and they go to the premier league. So I think holding on to some of that top talent will make people more interested in watching those games. Um, Also, I think like you said, being on ESPN would be cool um, just because that's a well-established market and Fox, you kind of never know who you're going to get to tune into those games. ESPN is a sports network. um, So you would just get, I think sports fans in general to watch those games. So really good question. Um, Go out and get a big guy, big name to make people watch. Uh, with the same example that Ronaldo had, so that that's kind of my answer, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. I like I like it. I, I don't know if that would happen with Bundesliga being kind of what the, what they are and, and their motto, but uh, I'm trying to picture of a name specifically who would go there. I mean, Leroy Sane right. back back in Germany. That's that's a good signing for for yeah for Bayern. But dude, yeah, no, I I, I hear what you're saying with Syria and and Ronaldo going there. But that would be yeah. that'd be dope. That'll be dope. Just because we know we know Bayern Munich and what they give the Champions League. They're
0: they're the f- the favorite, but we're talking about their domestic league and how to get more people to watch yeah. that. So you need bigger names, I think. Because right now it's all German guys. You know, the best players go play for Bayern Munich. So I think you need to establish a little bit more depth in that league if you want to get people to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. We vibe in. We're okay. What's next, next question. Let's get down.
2: Um hello. This is Carlos. Hello, Joe and Ben. I'm on uh podcast, guys, and I'm always waiting for the next one. Uh, I have a question, uh, but before I ask my question, Joe, uh, I, was, I was very sad, very sad uh, to find out that you follow Real Madrid. Ugh. Sad, my friend. <laughs> but anyway, what are you going to do? Here's my question. Uh, from all the best players from uh, South America, we know that we know their success like Pelé and Zico, they open schools, um, soccer schools. And my question is, what do you know about their European soccer players and their success after they start playing the game? What have they done? Uh, There were books, made movies. I guess most of them they're coaching. But uh, uh, please let us know. And thank you. Keep going, guys. Love you, podcast. Take care.
1: Yeah, what obviously uh probably a Barcelona fan there, uh Joe, they're throwing some shade at uh at UB, you know, sure. being but... a for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, to, to go off that question, there's there's there has been a lot of like um, uh, you know, South American post or like, you know, retirement players that have gone on to you know, done something with football, uh with soccer. Like, you know, example like Carlos Valderrama, starting off an academy for him. Uh, for you know, being a Colombian and at in Colombia, and then uh, Marco Echeverry, uh, uh, Bolivian, going back to Bolivia, starting his own school, and then he started a school here, and so uh, and you see them too going into that coaching realm with you know uh, uh, Diego Simeone, uh, Mauricio Pochettino, uh, even uh, Manuel Pellegrini. So there's a lot of high level coaches that are playing, and even in the highest level in the Premier League, but to go off the European side, it's the, the trajectory after retirement, it seems to be like, you know, coaching or punditry, which, uh, you know, I don't have much problem with that. Uh, some of the punditry is like the like the dream job, right? Joe? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. And they perhaps. give you an inside perspective. Yeah. Uh, but something funny to 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 go from from that and like what, what some of these players like European players, I have two, two really maybe three, Joe. Let's we'll see how much uh, you okay. like these two. No pressure. Um, Players, players that have that – what, what they have done outside of uh, retirement for the European players, right? So my first one goes to Thomas Grabison. <laughs> Holy shit, I was not expecting was, that name. <laughs> going from Everton to Real Madrid and Galacticos, right? No one saw that that deal going, right, that deal going. But then afterwards, man, in retirement years, he hit his luck by ditching football and going to Las Vegas and becoming a high roller and reportedly boasting a value of a hundred million. What in the fuck? So, <laughs> yes, yes. So he's got a healthy bank account doing some gambling businesses uh, over there in in, uh, in Vegas. But another one is uh, Matthew Fleming. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, he was a gunner. He was a former gunner and a, a former AC Milan player. So he went from earning sixty k to being worth around twenty billion dollars, Joe and so this man has become an interest uh, his business interest is into uh, this company GF Biochemicals did not see and that coming so yeah bro it's really interesting so there, I think you've seen some of these European um, players outside of retirement is like use their money and do something they want to do like start an entrepreneurship or do something crazy Louis Saha was my third one Joe and uh, he started like his own like side business trade that got players involved with their with some with some sponsors and basically mixed those two together. So he started as like his own brand. So uh, crazy to see, right? From like the European side, like what what some of these you know. Usually it's right. coaching, but there's always, they they have this money and they have they they kind of use it for for just very. Either odd things or sometimes useful things like Matt Yeah,
0: no, that's that's wild, bro. Gravison too, like the to Vegas and and what Flamini is doing for you know science, I guess is amazing. <laughs> like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna sort of take a different approach to this question just because I think Ben hit on it. Like sort of the diversity that these guys get into. Um, but first and foremost, when soccer ended, so all these players were not playing at that time. So what did they do with their spare time? Um, well, they were getting ready to get back out there in the Premier League. So for me, right away that game me hope uh with COVID and and everything that was going on here to see these guys getting geared back up um it was the first sign that we could beat this pandemic as you know as as global citizens together um so that right there to me was amazing I think David Beckham's project what he's doing with an MLS team for American culture trying to get them to wake up um to the beautiful game and what he's doing as a past European player he's vesting um in and sort of the American game which for us you know it could be um, something that, that pays its dividends in the future in terms of talent that we can discover through his team in Miami. And also the press that we get because of that is amazing. So our you know direct response to David Beckham and the name that he has, he decided to come to America, which I think is huge. It shows you our potential. Um, and then more recently, I thought what Rashford did um, during COVID with his money um, and, and his yeah. – yeah, his sure. power. So what he did was um, he paired with a local charity to get past food poverty. Um, so they raised enough or he specifically uh, was the catalyst behind 400,000 meals for kids. So you think about parents that lost their jobs and maybe have a difficult time feeding their family. Rashford stepped up and 400,000 meals were given out to kids that were hungry against poverty. So, I mean, these guys, you know, they have the power to do that with their wages that they they get week in, week out. And Ben, something Ben mentioned before in a podcast was these wages are taxed and that tax goes right into um, the English government, their budget and so they reinvest back into society. So the footballers and their role in these huge countries, it's very much economic driven. Um, so what they do day in, day out for just, you know, common citizens and, and local structure and government is immense. So really good question, Carlos, probably not one that I was expecting, um, but it's something that you have to pay attention to. in the example that you set for younger kids, because these guys are leaders. So spot on with that question.
1: Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Next Next, next question, Joey. Um, okay, Ben. Let's see.
4: All right. So uh, this is a United fan phoning in, Ben. Uh, I know you're a United fan, so this is, um, you know, a question I more have for you, but Joey, feel free to chime in as well. Um, you know, now that we've we've gotten third place, you know, we're in, um, we're still in the latter stages of the Europa League. We got Champions League football next year. Won't be losing any sponsorship money from Adidas. There was a rumor that if we were finishing outside. The, uh, the top four and failed to win the Europa League that we would lose 25 million from Adidas that hasn't materialized. So, um, we should have a pretty strong transfer strategy going into the summer. Um, first off, what positions do you think we need to strengthen the most? Um, and, uh, which player would be your first to sign? Uh, and as well as, uh, do you think we should look for, uh, look to start Dean Henderson or David De Gea? If we cannot get Henderson's loan extended anywhere, thanks, guys.
1: Oh dear, Sam. You 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 must have been in my same shoes today. I loved hearing in your question that we made Champions League in third place this uh, today. So loved hearing that again. Just brought a smile to my face. So awesome, bro. Awesome. And uh, and for what you know, we need and through our transfer strategy now, we, we have to go big. You know, we have to go big, but also smart because we've made mistakes in the past and Jaden Sancho I feel like it's going to get drawn out I think with like every freaking transfer saga that Man U has gone through it's going to get drawn out to like the last day or something it's crazy so an attacking threat is definitely my top priority center mid get some creativeness even more in the midfield as uh as someone to either come off the bench or even compliments uh, Pugba if he's injured. You know, Pugba's been injury prone. We can't rely on Fernandez. If if Bruno Bruno gets hurt or if we need to sub Bruno, I, I really don't want to see Lingard coming off the bench, bro not I d I can't I can't do it. I can't <laughs> do it. <laughs> so I'd say I'd say get some depth in the midfield. And then lastly, I'd say we go for a left back, bro, because the the new uh, the new left back and right back positions have been revolutionized from, uh, from Trent and, and Robertson and, you know, and it's been coming, you know, it's been coming. So we have one in Aaron Basaka. he It can improve, improve so much. I think his in his uh, delivery and his end product, but I think we need an attacking kind of left back. Um, I don't, I don't trust Luke Shaw for the future. I see him. And Brandon Williams, I think is a great rotational player. So, Great question, and then uh, for the De Gea question on, on Henderson, I I would keep De Gea for another season, and I, I know that may be uh, not a lot of people's opinion, and, and I think he's still world class, I think he still has it in him, I think a lot of goalkeepers have had blunders this season, and it's not just De Gea, it's uh, so I think we give him one more season because if Dean Henderson comes to if he agrees to join us or as, a, as a second goalkeeper, I can't throw him in right away. Because what happens if he throws a blunder in, in a starting position and, you know, who are we going to fall back on? Like he, he needs confidence, I think, still with uh, with, you know, becoming, uh, you know, playing in the Europa League or sorry, playing in, uh, you know, FA Cup uh, or playing him in these odd games. But that's what I would do, at least. Very
0: good answer, Ben. I couldn't agree with you more with De Gea, but um, I'm sort of an outside perspective, I guess, on Man United. So not, I don't hold them as closely to my heart as Ben. Uh, but really good answer, Ben. I guess I would do something a little bit different um, if I was Man United. And I think you saw it today if, if you watched the game. Man United didn't play well, and Leicester had a lot of chances to score through Ian Nacho. Jamie Vardy hit the crossbar. So I think in these big games, they look vulnerable defensively. So as much as you spend on McGuire, I think he's – probably your first team center back next year, but I don't think Lindelof, um, I don't think he cuts the bill. So I'd look for another center back maybe. And and I'm not talking about spending a lot of money because I think there was a big telling point in today's game. When you saw Bruno Fernandez take the PK versus Pugba Um, and Bruno Fernandez is sort of, I would say almost an opposite personality of Pugba where they're both really incredibly talented. uh, But Fernandez is a leader and he's a very competitive Pugba has been known to get distracted. So if you go and get Sancho, I think it sends the wrong message to Greenwood who has the opportunity right now. You don't need to spend money on Sancho because Greenwood, I would play him in that team next year. Like you did for Rashford until he, you know, becomes a man in that team. So I don't go get Sancho. I think you need a center defensive player. I don't think Fred cuts it. I don't think Matich cuts it. So I would say maybe a decori and Didi would be perfect. And these are players you don't have to spend a lot of money on. Um, and for me, for Williams, I thought he had a great game today. Yes, he's raw. He's going to make mistakes, um, but he's man, you through and through like this boy loves man united so you do need depth there i wouldn't go out and get a big player but for me it's a center back a center defensive mid and offensively you know i think you're there with Martial, rashford greenwood uh fernandez and pugba i think you guys are there offensively i like to see a little bit more um and i couldn't couldn't disagree or agree with you more about De Gea. i think you're spot on Ben, give him another year 100 percent. but really really good question
1: hell yeah I like I like your response. I like hearing an outsider's response. I love that. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm not gonna uh, re- rebut or or fight that. I think that's brilliant. Um, you too, brother. What we got? What we got next? No, I think one? we have
0: one more, Ben. And you may know this. Know it. this. Key. No, I think, oh, two two
1: more? More. Okay. I think we got two more.
4: Okay. Hi, I was wondering since you guys had talked about the financial burden that the countries and teams had been under during the shutdown. Now that the leagues have been able to play, how that was affecting the teams, the players, and the countries who benefit financially from these teams and leagues, if they've been able to recover, if there was still, you know, too much of a loss for it to be any type of help, or if the players were able to renegotiate any of their contracts based on actually generating some of the revenue from either the plays on TV or on the radio?
0: Yeah, so that's actually a brilliant question. Um, With COVID, you know, it it brought soccer and a lot of economies basically to a stop. Um, So for the Premier League, for them to... Recover um, what they had to fulfill was their broadcasting rights because that's their main source of revenue. Uh, we talked about it before. Basically, you're looking at 170 million um, that goes into these teams' pocket, and it's a trickle-down effect. So it goes into the team, goes into the wages. The wages gets taxed. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big business in the European countries. Um, and to look at the impact to MLS, the main source of revenue for the MLS was fan tickets. So fans can't come to the games right now. So for MLS, it's it's a scary moment because they're still trying to grow the league generally have a difficult time doing that without fans because let's be honest they don't get as much attention um from games on tv it's sort of more an atmosphere thing that you have to go to to enjoy the game whereas the premier league's the opposite you still get that excitement when you're watching it um as far as their economy's recovering 100 there was still a loss there So I expect in the transfer market, it's going to be a lot more conservative than you're used to seeing. You're not going to be seeing a lot of teams go after players for 150 million. I think if you ask Ben, if he takes Sancho, he would do it in a second because he's a top player. And I agree with that, but it has to be for the right price. So, yep. I mean, if it's 50, 75 million, that's fair to me because I think that's what he's worth. If Dortmund's going to ask for 120 million, you're not going to see that transfer go through because it's too much of a risk right now. Um, and it's still kind of a risk right now until we have that vaccine. So I think we're going to see a lot of variables and, uh, in terms of economic drivers. It's still up to debate what's exactly going to play out until we have that vaccine. So it's still very scary. But you can look at Liverpool's example and how they bought their talent. It was very well scouted. Robertson wasn't a lot of money. Trent came through their use system. Firmino was a player that came from the Bundesliga for pennies. And although he doesn't get it on the stat sheet, you'd ask Jurgen Klopp, and he's one of their most important players. So they did take a gamble on Salah for, you know, a second-chance player that didn't make it at Chelsea, quote-unquote, but killed it in Serie A. Um, it has to be very well-researched, these transfers. Um, and so the world is still feeling the effects of COVID, unfortunately, that you know, that's still out there, but, um, really good question. I'd have to say, um, and, and to see the full effect, I would say it's, it's yet to be determined how, how much of an
1: impact, uh, it's still left that's out there. So good question. Yeah. This topic really brought me back to one of our earlier pods, man, when we discussed this Yeah, and, and the effects of, uh, of, of the league and project restart. I mean, all of the restarts I think have been a success for, uh, I mean, I think MLS is just to be determined. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think in terms of Europe, it's it's a success, man. You finish your season, you go through promotion, relegation, look what it's going to do for leads. You know, look what it's going to do for these teams that are getting promoted. And uh, and we talked about the parachute payments in, in, a, in a pod before, but basically what that means is when uh, a team gets relegated, they still get payments that are coming from the Premier League. So the Premier League is still funding some of these teams that are getting relegated. And so, and it, it's like we talked about the trickle-down effect. So, to be determined to what it does for the state of you know the country you know we don't have data on that but i think you're spot on joe in terms of the transfer market we're going to see a lot of different things coming up and i feel like the swap deals is is something that we might get used to seeing i'm not sure yet yeah we saw the the swap deal between arthur and pianish i think that was done for weird reasons though yeah i still still think that's that's going to happen and um And hopefully someone will take Sanchez, somebody, anybody listening. (laughs) Take Alexis Sanchez for for pennies and we'll get we'll get some balls. We'll get some kits. I'll take anything. (laughs)
0: What a good answer, Ben. What a good answer. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, and I think our final question, um, he's been on the show before. He's a big Arsenal fan. And he kind of directed this question at Ben. Of course, his arch rival uh, in the Premier League is Manchester United, Ben. So um, here we go. Let's take a listen.
1: Hey, fellas. It's your boy. First of all, I want to congratulate Benny and Barchester United for the big win today. Great job, guys. It only took... 20 PKs from VAR to get the help. I'm just kidding, Benny. You know I love you. My question for the podcast is, is David De Gea finished at Manchester United?
0: Ben, you already gave a really good answer on David De Gea. Um, so if you don't mind, I would take my stab at it too. Um, you don't get rid of him. He has a huge wage bill, but he spent, uh, I want to say, almost 10 seasons uh, at Manchester United, and he's earned the respect that he has. You don't drop a goalkeeper, excuse me, a goalkeeper, because he's made a few uncharacteristic mistakes, um, at least not yet. I think you have to give him at least one more season. And I think what might make him play better is the competition between him and Henderson. Why mm-hmm. not have them both competing in practice against each other and see which one? what cream rises to the top, if you will, because he's going to be challenged for the first time in his career in a very long time with Henderson. Now the bill is out on him to say, okay, are you still good? You're 29 years old. You're almost 30. This is when you start to see keepers uh, and their experience really start to pay off and they get better. So now we need to see that from De Gea. So have them both at the club at the same time and whichever one proves themselves this next season, you don't need two wage bills of that size. You offload the one that's not going to make it. And you keep the one that's proven themselves when they're in the same team Who's the best keeper? So, in terms of David De Gea, not yet. Get get Henderson back, and let's see what happens.
4: Brilliant, brilliant.
1: First of all, Oscar, with uh, varchester United and the twenty pens. Um, <laughs> stop fouling our boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of those PKs, I would say, uh, which is Bruno Fernandes against Villa. That I would say that that really was uh, that really shouldn't have been a pen. But other than that, I think, uh, yeah, stop fouling our boys, <laughs> And then we'll um, we'll just keep scoring pens, bro. But anyways, uh, yeah, we, what we said, what we said I think about De Gea can't be said enough, but I think he does need a next a, a competition. But then also, dude, uh, De Gea really hasn't been the same, I think, since Ronaldo scored hat-trick at, on, on, in the Euros. So something's up with De Gea. I, I think, you know, Maybe confidence in his front line or his back line is is part of that key, but dude, he still he still makes these worldly saves, world class saves, and he definitely deserves another season.
2: So,
0: spot on, Ben. Couldn't agree more, man. Absolutely. Um, I think you see the mistake that uh, Madrid had when they let go of Navas and brought in Courtois um it took Courtois a long time to get settled so it could be the same of Henderson you might just starting a new problem if you get rid of David De Gea I think they need the competition give them a chance and we'll see we'll see what happens so um Ben that was our last question um so I just want to thank everybody who took the time um
1: to come up yeah sorry we have That's okay we have we have one more question okay sorry to interrupt we have one more question we have one more question from Twitter so we oh a yes. Twitter question from our from our friend Boondy Americans. Oh yes. He's, he's retweeted us a, a bunch of times, and he's he's a great uh, Twitter Twitter feed there. To and he posts a bunch of stuff for Americans in the Bundesliga. So his question to us, Joey, and I think you I'd like to hear your answer is excluding Robert Lewandowski, who is currently the best striker in the world?
0: So best striker other
1: than Lewandowski,
0: I'm thinking of champions, like who's left in that tournament. Um, I think I think Ronaldo's ability to finish at any time puts him in that conversation, and he does play as a central forward for them. Um, I think what Kareem Benzema has done this season, I think a lot of people – um, have kind of kind of written him off in terms of what he can do in the world stage. and I don't know if you heard babe, but the French president actually commented on what a fantastic season he's had and his response was to laugh because he has a huge falling out with that federation it's the reason Mm -hmm. he he doesn't play with the french national team so you know he's playing good when people who do not fuck with him are saying (laughs) he's playing really well so i mean benzema i mean i'm biased in the answer comes to mind but i mean i'm looking at holland too for for what he did after covid and even before he was amazing so these are big names but i mean Lewandowski by far the best in terms of goal production um and it's really hard to give you an answer because i think the rest of the crowd is together and he's just a step further among everybody else so i think there's a lot of good shouts probably a couple guys that i'm missing um but those are who comes to mind kareem bizma has got to be up there with his season one la liga um and uh yeah ben uh right back at you bro who's the best
1: striker i would say i'm, no, I'm gonna say benzema yeah i think i think from what i've seen this season and may not be in terms of i'm, I'm not thinking about maybe you know, exclusively goal production, but what he does for the team, you know, like the reliance on the team and the link-up play of a like a number nine, I would give it to I'd give it to Ben's
0: Oh Ben, I love your answer. I love it.
1: Of course you do. But <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say Ronaldo, but I, I'm I'm not. I haven't seen, I think, too much of him, and He's I think gotta, champion, yeah. Champions League is going to be really big for him. So let's let's see what happens with uh, with that. Hopefully, they face each other, Benzema versus yeah. Ronaldo. Great, man. Watering, by Great. the way, which is like two weeks away. Champions League is two weeks away. Let's so go. If you, li- if you haven't listened to the last pod where we where we gave our um, our dramatic kind of um, story of the Champions League, that's leading up to this as uh, big event, listen to that. It's uh, no champion, no cry.
0: been well well said bro and great answer by the way and something exciting to look forward to and a tidbit about that is the games are on friday saturday the first one's back um so not midweek so check out those on friday and saturday it's going to be the the remaining round of 16 games it's just going to be amazing so that's in august it's coming um the premier league has ended been it's so bittersweet bro uh but you know amazing season. I can't wait to see what happens next season with or without fans. It's it's still as amazing as it's ever been. Um, and really good questions from all our fans. So we can't thank you enough for listening in week in, week out. Um, the advice that you give us, um, you know, through your comments to your ratings, we really appreciate it, guys. We need you um, to continue on. So uh, next Monday, we'll be back and we, we just can't wait. So thanks again.
1: right that's right just because the season's over doesn't mean we're not gonna keep talking so next week we'll be back for sure uh, any other shout outs that i want to think about Joe I think
0: I'm good okay perfect and the other shout out I want to give is uh, Ricky Burke and his dad Richie Burke uh, huge Liverpool fans um, they have a big big um, they're both coaches in this area so I think we're gonna have them both on the show coming up very soon so guys get look, you know look forward to that um, and we can't wait oh
1: yeah bro Hell yeah. So thanks
0: so much, guys. Um, And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks.